What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 32 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. This is another free writing session. I know you guys missed it because not as many of you folks listened to episode number 31, which was my second trip to India. But you seem to like these free writing ones, according to the good old Lipson numbers. So here's another one. And this episode will include, but is not limited to, a bunch of shit that I'm going to speak about, which is watching Waking Up with Sam Harris, Narcos on Netflix, my yearly tailgate, a conversation that I had with my uh, doctor, physical therapy guy, um, my niece, now goddaughter's dedication, the Democratic National Debate number one, the Republican National Debate number two, uh, dope coffee that I found on my quest for the perfect cup of coffee. But it is a seasonal one, and one that I would probably get sick of if I had to drink it like year-round, but it's pretty dope for now. Uh, Project Greenlight, um, and the Amy Schumer HBO special, which was funny as fuck. So let's go back up to the top. And then, of course, you know, that's like all the intro shit. And then uh, I'm going to follow that with a one free writing piece that I'm going to go over today. Uh, which is kind of like a, like a utopian, grandiose type of idea, type of uh, mind frame that I was in when I wrote it, based on you know a quote that like inspired that. Um, but why not, right? Why not? Why not uh, shoot for the unachievable? Um, okay, so first things first. Uh, waking up with Sam Harris. Sam Harris is a uh, if you guys listen to this, you you might know him because he's been on Rogan's podcast. He's been on The Young Turks. Um, he's been on Bill Maher's show on HBO, um, Real Time. Um, he's a well-respected, um, super intelligent dude, uh, like neuroscientist uh, guy or neuroscientist. <laughs> I guess I don't know why I say guy. Um, he has his own podcast also called Waking Up with Sam Harris. He has a book entitled Waking Up. Um, and... I recently saw he has this, not a movie or a documentary. It's kind of like, um, I'm going to read you the synopsis of it. It's on Vimeo. You guys can can purchase it, I think, for like four bucks or, or something like that, or five bucks. Um, and it was pretty dope. Let me read you guys the description of it because um, that does the best job of explaining what it is. It says here, in the fall of 2014, Sam Harris staged a series of live events in Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco to coincide with the publication of his book, Waking Up, A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. In these talks, Harris discussed a range of experiences that have traditionally been considered, quote, spiritual, unquote. In particular, the phenomenon of self-transcendence. Although such experience... Although such experiences tell us nothing about the origins of the cosmos, they confirm some well-established truths about the human mind. Our conventional sense of self is an illusion. Positive emotions, such as compassion and serenity, are teachable skills. I agree with that 100%. And the way we think can profoundly influence our lives and the lives of others. 
Um, it was really good. I encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, that does, you know, perfect job of summarizing what it is. Uh, he's very much so into meditation, which I told you guys recently I've been um, been doing. Um, he's on some, like, next-level meditation shit, though. I do, like, 10 minutes a day. And... Um, what else? Uh, so you can tell from that he's kind of, uh, not kind of, he's an atheist, um, which he says himself. And he's pretty much explains in a lot of different, uh, like anecdotes and examples and, and mm, that's the word I'm looking for. A lot of different, like, like, uh, analogies and metaphors. And there's a, a pretty cool job of explaining kind of sort of achieving the same types of i guess states that religious people kind of like you know bible thump about um for lack of a better term and uh is very much so on more of like a practical tip i guess i don't know i don't know how else to say it um i think that line there says it best uh within that description which is positive emotions such as compassion and serenity are all teachable skills and the way we think can profoundly influence our lives and lives of others and it's a dope listen you guys should check it out if you guys want to want to you know don't want to you know pay the four or five bucks or whatever it is to check it out on vimeo you guys can um uh, you know, not to see that specifically, but uh, you get to know him more, I guess. You know, look him up when he's been on Rogan's podcast or, like I said, on The Young Turks or on where else has he been? Um, he has his own podcast, also called Waking Up. Um, he's done TED Talks um, or a TED Talk, if I'm not mistaken. And, you, you know, you get to know him. And he's been on Bill Maher, like I said, and shit like that. So. And uh, he speaks about pretty much the same same type of stuff. Um, they get at him hard for being a little too hard on um, Muslims. Oh, if you guys actually saw, there was like a like a video that kind of kind of went viral, or uh, like a snippet of one of the the real time episodes with Bumar when Ben Affleck was like flipping the fuck out, like irrationally about um. Um, about like Muslims and not, you know, painting them all with the same brush and stuff like that. The guy that he was flipping out on was Sam Harris, who um, is known for saying that there's something dangerously and fundamentally flawed about um, certain Muslim beliefs of of within the the Quran there's supposedly I haven't read it to supposedly a uh I don't know what it would be called like a scripture or something stating that uh, anyone who leaves the the Muslim religion um should be punished by death and you know some people that take it literally some people that don't obviously and um but supposedly it's the only religion that actually has that within um its belief system or whatever it is so it's not up to too much interpretation it's just a matter of you know if you choose to follow that or not or um and it breeds like that you know fundamental fucking crazy behavior that we see like with the charlie abdo stuff and 
and ISIS and all that type of shit. That's his um, mentality and all that. And uh, whatever. Uh, check him out if you guys want to. I enjoyed it. My fiance did as well. And that's Waking Up with Sam Harris. Next. Um, which actually, let me segue that since I mentioned Ben Affleck already. Ben Affleck does have a dope show, which is he has together with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And um, it's on HBO called Project Greenlight. It's in its third season. I never saw season two, um, which was, I think, uh, done together with, I think it's, it's, it's in its fourth season, actually. Um, but one of the seasons was done with, like, Facebook somehow, and I didn't see that. And I saw one season of it ever when I was younger, and I saw it with my brother, actually. And it was, and I'm not sure if that was actually season one or if that show stopped for a while and then came back or if it was just a completely different thing. But I know it was called Project Greenlight. And it was with, it was the same type of concept as now. But back then it was like um, they pulled money together to make a real movie. Um, But they had a contest for like a writer, a contest for a director, a contest for a, um, what else? Maybe just a writer and a director. And then the best, you know, the, the whole bunch of people submitted stories. A whole bunch of people submitted pieces that they directed and stuff like that. And they put them together, coupled with the financing from Ben Affleck and and HBO and Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And they made a movie. And Shia LaBeouf, oh, and an actor, actor also. And Shia LaBeouf was the actor that won and like stuff like that. So I remember seeing that when I was younger and um now I got like re-into the show again because I stumbled up upon it and I was like oh shit I remember this thing and I kind of liked it now what they did again very similar but they you know it wasn't with a like a writer <clears throat> or like a contest for writers and actors it was uh strictly just for a director and it is meant to be a behind the scenes of how an actual movie gets made and it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, Matt Damon, and HBO, and they put up three million dollars as the total budget, and it has like the full slew, the full gamut of what goes into making a movie. You know, scouting locations, assigning actors, having auditions. You know, producer, line producer, fucking assistant director. Um, and fucking everything, photography director, the people that fucking dress you and makeup you and like stuff like that and like everything. And you see like all the behind the scenes shit, um, the writer, uh, they brought in a writer that was actually the winner of one of the previous seasons. Um, that he was a, like a writer director and they brought him to assist on writing the script for the movie um, as well as the uh, Fairley brothers that made the, you know, like Dumb and Dumber and stuff like that. They brought them in uh, to help with it as well. And um, pretty much it was a contest of directors, all of which submitted their own uh, individual pieces. Uh, they're like two two to three minute long, long, like tiny little shorts. Um, then from that, they, from the quality and how, you know, good they were. You know, they met them, they interviewed them, and pretty much selected after interviewing them 
um no i'm sorry they didn't select from there they then after all the ones that they picked to narrow it down they gave them all a thousand bucks and one specific topic to um do another you know two to three minute uh short to direct another two to three minute short and had to put everything together you know like the entire thing with a thousand dollar budget and then based on that uh, and they gave them like a week or two to do it or something like that then based on that you know they sat with them met them and um pretty much picked the the director that was gonna make the three million dollar movie and you know won the contest basically and then the rest of the show is just every episode you know going through like the ebbs and flows of everything that it takes to make a make a movie and shit like that and all the pitfalls all the fighting behind the scenes and the producer not getting along with the director and the director not getting along with the writer and you know also you know all the drama and shit that you would imagine comes about whenever you have dozens of people trying to work together towards a common goal and it's pretty interesting um i'm enjoying it i like it and something cool that hbo did they put on demand if you guys check it out um like all the individual shorts that the people like actually submitted you could watch them they put them all on demand and there's one in particular that's fucking super funny that uh me and my girl watched i think like it's like literally two or three minutes long we've watched it like 10 times and it it's from one of the guys that was like in the running like they all said that if it wasn't for the guy that they picked they would have picked him to like win the season um which i can remember his name i think it's like chris copel or something like that um he he did one that was based on that uh like the saw character the saw you know the little dummy on saw that has like the red fucking cheeks like with the the target looking cheeks or whatever that little doll that fucking makes people kill each other and stuff like that um i'm butchering that but whatever that little crazy doll and the short was this guy it was kind of like mocking that but this guy is like now roommates with that doll and when his boy is over he's like yo so how's it like living with fucking whatever the doll's name is and the guy was like not as fun as i thought it would be or something like that and then it just shows like uh two or three scenes back to back of like him waking up in the morning and having to deal with the doll him trying to go to sleep at night and having to deal with the doll him waking up in the next morning having to deal with the doll and like the doll like each time is just like in each scene he's he's um like doing the type of shit that he did in like the movie saw and he's like in the first one the guy you know wakes up he's like stumbling to the bathroom he's about to take a shower and the doll is on top of the the bathroom sink and he's like gary you have to you fucking he stopped <laughs> i'm trying to do his voice he does um uh he fills up the toilet full of two ply paper towels and dirty socks and he puts his like ipad and cell phone at the bottom of it and he's like you have 2.5 minutes to stop the water from overflowing in the toilet and and fucking up your electronics and to do so you have to cross this floor full of razor blades and it has like fucking disposable big shavers like all over the floor <laughs> it's just like funny shit like that and then the then it shows like him trying to sleep 
and the little puppet fucking thing is like tapping him on his face and he's like gary 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 <laughs> he's like what 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 do you want and, he's, and then he's like you're surrounded by a bed full of mouse traps and <laughs> it's just fucking funny you guys have to see it i'm probably doing a shit job of, of explaining it but um it's pretty cool i thought that was a, a nice nice touch that hbo did with um actually putting all those submissions in you know on demand and you could just watch them and it's good for the people that actually submitted it you know i would imagine you know if i submitted a fucking short or something like that and i could see it on demand on hbo that would would be the dopest thing in the world to me so i'm sure like those guys appreciate it like on that type of level as well and um it's a pretty cool show you guys should check it out that is project Greenlight, and it's on hbo and uh, let's see what else do i have here to speak about uh, another show which i saw i binge watched the shit out of it on fucking netflix i love that shit i love that that option to be able to do that uh, binge watch stuff now mm, it's called narcos on netflix and it's pretty much the rise and fall well eventual i would imagine rise and fall but the um the life of pablo escobar which was the notorious gangsters fucking coke dealer ever from colombia and he was uh the person pretty much not solely but 80 to 90 percent responsible for all of the coke that came into the united states like in the 80s if i'm not mistaken if i have the the time period right 80s and 90s like that era uh i think he died in 93 actually if i'm not mistaken um but like 80s maybe late 70s early 80s and well it had to be the 80s um because when was crack crack was like mid 80s mid to late 80s and yeah well whatever it's fucking pablo escobar you if you don't know who pablo escobar is google it and and you'll find millions of things um it's a it's a dope show it goes through um pretty much his rise into into power in colombia and how ruthless he was and fucking sick crazy shit that he did and uh, a lot of stuff checks out like we were watching the show and then like, googling you're like yo did that really happen i wonder if that really happened i wonder if that was just like for the show like over you know dramatization or and you know some of it was but a lot of it wasn't and it was you know like from planes blowing you know blowing up planes to try to kill politicians that were against um were for extradition to the United States, which he was against because he didn't want to get locked up and extradited to the United States and, you know, be locked in like a jail here because over there he fucking literally owned the fucking country. Like, he built... He agreed to get arrested in Colombia um, if and only if he can build his own jail and nobody from the Colombian government could come within three miles of his jail. And they granted him that. <laughs> Um, that's how much unlock he had the fucking country. And, um, and it was just, you know, straight fucking prostitutes and drugs and anything he fucking wanted. It was, uh, he built a, himself a fucking mansion castle that on the outside looked like a jail just for, um, shits and giggles. And then inside was whatever he wanted it to be. And, you, you know, he still expanded and opened up his empire 
and um it was like so he was really against extradition <clears throat> which um uh between the DEA and and pretty much the US relations um with uh with Colombia they they put that in place to you know try to crack down on the influx of coke and stuff like that and, you know the war, the whole war on drugs and all the issues with that um and he was really against that so he literally like had planes like blown up like regular commercial flights i think he killed like 190 people and um to try to kill a politician that was supposed to be on that plane that wound up last minute not getting on that plane because he got tipped off by by the dea or something like that and just like six shit like that he used to fucking terrorize the country like whenever whenever things wouldn't go his way whenever he would um be in like legal troubles and stuff like that and and at first he he actually ran for congress um because he wanted to kind of fight it from within i guess you know to try to like change laws and bend rules and stuff like that uh, in his favor that backfired they you know he actually won uh, a congressional seat but after being there they like exposed his his uh drug dealings and like stuff like that and he wound up um leaving and abdicating the seat and um then from there on out he had like a full-on vendetta against like all these politicians and um he kind of had like some sort of like chip on his shoulder like i'm like you know don't look down on me because i'm you know poor from a poor neighborhood i'm just as good as you are like type of thing and um i have more than you could ever dream of having you know kind of like went a little too much too much like off the rails with that type of mentality but um um yeah he would like terrorize the fucking country and just blow shit up and kill people and kill cops and politicians like left and right kidnap people and fucking ruthless ruthless gangster ass fucking dude and um and it's a sick show it goes through pretty much his you know from when he was like a petty drug dealer through his rise to being who he became and the head of the um Medellin cartel it's a pretty sick show you guys to so check it out narcos on netflix and what else did i want to speak about a uh, few things i had um let me see the conversation i had with my doctor physical therapy guy i'm looking at my notes here I'm trying to see which order would make the most sense to go over this stuff because i want to flow as much as possible um, well let's see all right yeah i want to leave that for last um had a pretty dope weekend this weekend um two uh big things that i not big things but um two things that i did were one my yearly tailgate this past sunday that was a fucking awesome time as always if you if you guys haven't done tailgating um even if you're not into i guess the only way it wouldn't be cool is if you're not into barbecuing or drinking or or like hanging out or anything like that and you know if you don't like football or you know you could tailgate at like baseball games and shit like that too if that's your thing but just like as an experience it's pretty dope um what it is is and we do this every year i've been doing it for five years now and um what it is is you go to you know with a group of people or you know however many you want whatever you buy tickets to a football game 
as well as parking passes for the parking lot. And here in America, I guess, if you guys are listening to this outside of America, I'm not sure you know, if they do this anywhere else. Um, you, let's say, for example, we went to a one o'clock game, the actual parking lot opens up five hours before the game. Um, so it's open around eight or nine in the morning. And um, it's like tradition to go early and literally take barbecue grills and like cook food, listen to music, you know, toss the ball around, have drinks, get fucking shit faced and just fucking chill and have a good time before actually going into the the event, the game that you're going to go watch. And that's what we did. And we do that every year. And we also actually, uh, you know, we got there. And I wound up getting to like around 9.30, I want to say, 9.30 in the morning. The goal was like 9 o'clock. I got there like at 9.15, 9.30, which was good. Um, and that was actually the fucking last one this year, uh, which never happens, which sucked. But um, it was awesome that everybody else was was on time. And we had a blast like we always do. Shout out to everybody that they made it out. It was like 15 of us. Not more than that, I think. It wound up being, I think it wound up being like 16 or 17. And... Um, uh, it was a good time. Yeah, you know, we barbecue. We had burgers and hot dogs and chicken shish kebabs and sausage, sausage, and fucking drinks. You, we had a fucking shitload of beers. We do like beer funnels. We had Chivas, of course. It's my shit. Uh, Kettle One and fucking Jack Daniels. And it's just a shit show. It's fucking picture nine o'clock in the morning on a fucking Sunday. Uh, definitely put in to take off from work the the next day. Always, always, always do that. You know, because you're gonna need it to recover. It's a very long day, um, and you know you're fucking drunk by fucking nine thirty a.m., ten a.m. tops. <laughs> you're gone, and then um, you are. Then you get. You know, we went into the game one o'clock. I had dope seats. Literally, section. Uh, I only go once a year, so I fucking um, opened up the cheapo wallet and, and sprung for, for decent tickets. And it was, I forget the section, but it was fucking like right by where Fireman Ed fucking uh, stands, always in like the bottom left corner. And uh, it was a uh, second row. So literally one row, and then in front of me, the fucking ESPN fucking camera guys and players in the end zone and like shit like that and those really dope seats really awesome time um then afterwards uh we one of, one of the guys brought a domino table very hickish very fucking super dominican but awesome touch because <laughs> we had uh, a really good time me and my brother busted some ass and won two games to one and um yeah that was a really good time and after the game uh, which the Jets won handily, uh, I think by two touchdowns, uh, busted the Redskins' ass. Um, after the game, we do even more tailgating and, um, you know, continue eating and drinking. And it's just a dope time. We do it for a couple more, excuse me, do it for a couple more hours. And uh, it's just a super long day. Traffic is always a motherfucker after those things. Um, that's why we tailgate afterwards to let that the parking lot like empty out. Which is a very good idea. Um, I encourage you guys to do that if you ever do tailgating. 
and because why rush to be in traffic you know what i mean for that you know chill out have fun for like an hour or two more but traffic after even after the parking lot like once you get into the highways and shit like that and you're hitting like the lincoln tunnel uh going back to fucking new york um it's always a bitch always always it's a fucking sunday night you would think people would fucking be home like decent human beings and now like fucking savages out and um they're not fucking sucks but uh yeah it was a really good time man and look forward to doing it every single year that i can last year before i segue into the next thing last year the whole thing was set up was the only year i didn't go in the past five or six years um the whole thing was set up you know all tickets were purchased everything was set up and that's when my uh niece was decided to come out and be born and my brother's wife went into labor the the game was on sunday always that we go to uh sunday at one o'clock and she went into labor like saturday so we were kind of like you know if she you know has the baby everything's fine you know maybe because to make the game and then baby wasn't born saturday it wasn't born she wasn't born all day sunday and then she wound up being born on monday so she's probably gonna be a uh giants fan that's what everybody was saying <laughs> and uh I uh, couldn't go uh, last year for that reason, but obviously I wouldn't change that for anything. So it was definitely a dope time. Now, speaking of my niece, on that was on Sunday. The Saturday right before, the day before that, was her dedication. Uh, dedication, for those of you that don't know, I didn't know, and found out recently that it's kind of sort of like not like a, a baptism um but similar to it it's like a step in that direction of getting baptized within like the christian religion and they believe that getting like actually getting baptized should be like a choice that the, the actual child or the person makes once they're old enough to make that decision um which i think you know makes a lot of sense and it's pretty cool but before then, again, just a you know a step in the direction of that faith, they have something called a, a dedication, which my niece had this past Saturday, which was really cool. It was a uh, it was a nice time, something new and different that I had not partaken in in the past, and it was in a church, and the. It was kind of said it was like a bunch of it was it's a baby dedication ceremony so there's a bunch of like other babies doing the same thing and there's a picture you know like 10 or 15 like round tables um eight to ten chairs each and uh just like all different families and um at each table a different family and then they have like a, a few uh, projector screens with pictures of the babies and you know scrolling through and the families and um they have a pastor and he says a few things and then um the way it works is the parents write something for the for the uh baby that's being dedicated and you just speak you know it's not like really like on the spot not really on the spot but it was kind of on the spot for me because it's like a last minute kind of thing but i'll get to that but it was it's not like i guess like on the spot in front of like the whole i don't know if, if you would call it like a congregation or you know like the whole like church kind of thing it's more like intimate and to me more meaningful that way 
um, where you kind of you're in the circle, like with the family, the you know round table, and the parents both had to write something for their child, and you know what they want for them, the type of person that they wanna that they want them to become, and the type of I guess like morals and character that um, they hope that they uh, build one day and it was pretty cool so my brother said something which which was awesome and um <clears throat> sorry i had something in my fucking throat um so uh, my brother said something which was awesome and and so did uh, uh the baby's mother and it was it was a cool uh, it was cool it was like a nice emotional like cool little ceremony thing um i didn't think i had to say anything so i really had nothing prepared and i'm really horrible at like on the spot stuff uh for any of you use that know me so i just wound up saying like a very generic um like i i love you i'm always there for you which is true um but i would want to have said more um something to the effect of which i didn't really prepare anything but i know what my advice to my now goddaughter would be which is eventually when she grows up to, uh, to listen to this because she's gonna be a super fan of the sponsored podcast um i would say you know aside from like i said obviously you know i love you i'm here for you always would be never be afraid of being who you are which sounds kind of cliche and sounds maybe kind of obvious but to me it wasn't for a very long time and it, it and by very, very long time I mean like only within the last couple of years have I been more like comfortable with me and like kind of like in my own skin type of thing and it's a very once you realize that once you get past that it's a very I don't know, kind of like freeing and like liberating type of feeling. You get to like enjoy and experience life, I feel, like in a very, very, very different way that you otherwise don't get to when you kind of, I don't know, feel like you can't do that, like you can't really like express yourself kind of, you know? So that would be my biggest um i guess like word of advice or what i would want for you um which is to not be afraid again to be yourself and mainly to be into whatever it is that you're into whatever the hell it is so and by that i mean for example i personally spent a long time being into let's say certain things that never really kind of like made sense together um, if that makes any sense, like, let me think of a, an example, like, I like hip hop, fucking a huge fucking, you know, fan of, you know, certain artists like Jay-Z and Eminem and, um, you know, super big into that, but I also found enjoyment in fucking, fucking NSYNC and fucking, I don't know, like teeny bopper fucking type music like that and poetry and fucking i could get into you know movies like 
The Godfather and and uh, Pulp Fiction, but also like plays and opera, not opera. That's a fucking fact. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but I like plays and you know, like Broadway plays and musicals and like shit like that. Um, and it's like things that kind of like, how do you like that? And also this, like, doesn't fucking make sense. So it's kind of like, then you, you want to going around and saying, okay, I'm around these people. So I have to be into this when I'm with them. And I can't mention that I'm into this. Cause it, like, fuck all that shit. Never be afraid to be into whatever the fuck it is that you're into whenever you're into it and pursue it to no end. And that's when you will find like true happiness and comfort within yourself. And that's my advice to my now goddaughter. Um, so yeah, that was the baby dedication. And let's see what's next. Okay. So let me do This one's going to take a minute. All right. <sighs> Whatever. I spoke about the Republican national debate, the first one that I saw. And I saw the, not all, but like 40, uh, let me see, like 40, I think for like three, three fourths of the second Republican uh, national debate. And I have no tear and everything on this shit. Um, don't look for anything like too fucking comprehensive or anything, but uh, just a few things that I wanted to point out when watching it. And I also watched the first Democratic um, national debate. That one I have, like, more shit on. But um, uh, for the Republican one, let's get that one out the way first because it's, it's a little more... It's, uh, I didn't write, like, too much on it. I didn't finish the entire thing. I saw the majority of it, though, like, three-fourths of it. And it's like... Um, so I already covered, like, the first one uh, more in depth. Um, so I'm going to spend less time on this second one. And, you know, it's not, you know, anything too new or anything like that. And, again, we're fucking, well, like a year out from the actual elections. <clears throat> so there's going to be a lot more of this shit. So, let's see. First off, way too many people. There's fucking 11 people in uh, in the debate. Like, fucking start unifying or some shit. And, you know, putting support towards, like, one of you fucking guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it got like really hairy and confusing and, and stuff like that, which is one of the reasons why I didn't feel like continuing to watch it. Um, plus it was much less like substantive, you know what I mean? It was a lot, a lot of back and forth and jabs and, and bullshit. Um, something of which, uh, I don't know, what's his face? What's his name? Uh, Chris Christie from Jersey. The uh, governor from Jersey did a good job of, I think, of trying to keep them on topic and keep everybody like on point and discussing like certain things. Um, at least two times throughout the debate, he like called people out on, you know, why are you asking about that when the real issue is this and that and blah, 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 and brought up, you know. Um, stuff like healthcare and, and immigration and, you know, all the, like, hot-button issues that people are actually concerned with as opposed to, um, like, some bullshit, like, back and forth, which was funny <laughs> going on between, especially, like, Jeb Bush and and uh, Donald Trump. He's, like, so brute, so fucking, like, childish and, and, which is, like, interesting in the sense of, like, like, he's not... 
he's not PC at all, <laughs> like at all, which is refreshing in 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 a sense because you're tired of like the same, you know, like rhetoric and bullshit responses and roundabout answers and stuff like that, um, which you definitely don't get from him. But at the same time, it's like distracting in that like Jeb Bush was talking and and uh, Donald Trump is like standing next to him making faces and like saying like, yeah, right. Like he's lying. And um, look at this guy. And, you know, like fucking ridiculous shit like that. <laughs> and like what one uh, Carla Fiorina, which is uh, uh, one of the ladies running. Uh, I forgot what she is. She's like a senator or something. Um or was no i'm sorry my bad she was the the ceo of hewlett-packard um which has a step down and is a story in and of itself but that trump was calling her out on but she said something to no was it her or was it ted cruz said something to the effect of of does donald trump look like the type of guy who has the demeanor that you would want in someone holding the the key to our nuclear arsenal or something like that and and donald trump's response was was you i know you don't want to speak about looks because if we speak about looks i got a, a whole bunch of stuff to speak about or <laughs> something something so fucking like juvenile and and fucking hilarious though <laughs> but it's just like shit like that that it's like really dude and you're fucking running for president and you're leading the polls somehow um it's fucking interesting um and what else um then uh carly i think her first name is fiorina um she plays super super composed like her role um and does it decently well but you could just fucking tell in that bitch's eyes that she will fucking cut you she's like that type of like broad and i don't buy that shit for one second that fucking calm cool demeanor that she's like putting off it's fucking straight bullshit. She looks like she'll flip the fuck out and and fucking nuclear bomb entire fucking Eastern Hemisphere or some crazy shit like that. Please don't vote for that bitch. With all the respect. Um, what else? Uh, Chris Christie. Uh, stop wasting time. Uh, political rhetoric. Blah, blah, blah. That's what I mentioned that before. I'm just reading my notes here, guys. Um, my shitty notes. I did it on a notepad a couple days ago and what else uh dr carson now i don't want to pretend to know all the the intricacies of like the the tax code um but just like on face value a flat tax um which i do remember learning about like in fucking college and shit but um like at a very very like a topical level a flat tax seems to make sense to me which dr carson um uh, he's like the the uh neurosurgeon that's running for president he i don't know it it fucking makes sense and what a flat tax is is if that everybody pays the same amount of taxes percentage wise so if you make ten dollars you pay one dollar worth of taxes if you make $10 billion, you pay $1 billion with the taxes. And it's kind of fair. It, seem, it seems, I don't know, like on, you know, at face value, it seems fair. It seems even. It seems, it seems, it's not, um, it's not like uh, socialistic 
in that you know if you're like a progressive tax um for example which uh, trump is for is more uh similar it's like what we have now kind of but not completely uh because it's capped at a certain level but it's like the more you make the more you pay in taxes that that's like more socialistic um that's the the uh, criticism that that uh, type of progressive tax gets but a flat tax seems just seems more uh like relatively speaking like even across the board um which i don't know like i said i don't know the intricacies of it i don't want to pretend that i know but at face value that type of tax makes more sense to me um and trump is again trump is for a, a progressive tax but according to him his plan which he's planning to put out within the next couple of weeks um means less of a tax for the middle class but more for the rich as he calls them, um, his hedge fund friends, which he knows them all, according to him. And they're not going to like him too much when he comes out with that plan, but it uh, makes more sense. And that just sounds like political bullshit, but whatever. We'll see when when that plan, if that plan fucking comes out. And that's pretty much it. That's all, all I really got for the whole uh, second uh, Republican debate. Now, for the Democratic debate... I have I have a bunch of stuff that I wrote down. Um, I got into that debate. Um, you know, take everything that I say with a grain of salt because um, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm liberal on most things, and um, you know, so I have that that bit of a bias. So uh, do with that what you will. Now, one uh, the first point: guns. That I wanted to speak to. And I wrote here, uh, rules. I wrote, my first point is fuck the NRA, <laughs> um, uh, which is the, the, the lobby behind, you know, keeping guns, uh, legal and, and that fight for, uh, it's national uh, rifle association, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, they are pretty much the financial body behind the movement of you know being pro guns and shit like that which i'm not against guns at all i'm not against infringing on anybody's rights to do whatever the fuck they want but certain things that i am for which the uh, i guess the nra is not um is this next point that i wrote down here which is rural versus urban states could and should have different laws um and common ground okay um so some sort of common ground is needed and it's like i'm from new york so i understand that you know and the gun laws are different across certain states like you i think in like texas and shit like that people could you know with a permit they just carry carry gun like regular people and over here i think it would be like fucking super hard and you know very a lot of like red tape to cut through and bureaucratic shit and stuff like that for anybody to even be able to have one like at home or something like someone that's not like in law enforcement and stuff like that um because it's a very populated um urban city so i know the laws must be different um but it but i'm like very much so for that you know different they can't be like a blanket i don't think that 
with such a complicated, intricate type of issue, um, and such like a hot button issue, which you know, you have certain people that grow up in let's say Midwest somewhere where, you know, guns and and hunting and and stuff like that is part of their culture, is part of who they are, who how they define themselves and they identify with that like that's part of them um and they you know see it as like a like a becoming a man or a woman or type of thing and you know bonding with family and and you know it means a lot to them like within that sense and then in urban communities you have you know like fucking crazy gang violence and stuff like that uh, riddling urban areas like Chicago and 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 LA and New York and Baltimore and stuff like that where that tradition is very fucking different when it comes to guns you know we don't have that type of like, hunting and and stuff like that we you know it's more like fucking robbing and killing each other type of shit so it's like you can't have some sort of like a, a, like a blanket law or whatever the fuck that should apply to everyone it should be different it should be regionally different or fucking state specific different or even not even state go up fucking upstate somewhere in new york and that shit looks exactly like fucking west virginia you know what i mean do it very regionally very very um uh by uh municipally is the word i'm looking for like do it by like cities counties um stuff like that that you know, different laws and rules should apply to uh, very, very, very specific different areas, very get as detailed as you need to get to make rules for specific areas that, and laws that, that, that make sense for that particular area, like bestow that upon, um, like states and municipalities to, to enforce and figure out with the oversight I guess, of the federal government since it would be, you know, that is, it is like a federal issue. And again, folks, I don't pretend to know, you know, the intricacies of any of these um, types of, types of like big convoluted issues, Um, which in terms of like mass shootings and, and stuff like that, it's very clearly a like a mental health crazy fucks with guns issue rather than an issue with the actual guns and this point has been you know brought up uh, many times before and it's not something that's unique to to it's not something i came up with basically but it's like if somebody you know goes to home depot and you know, buys a hammer and starts fucking going to movie theaters and hammering people in the head and killing people with hammers and with drills and shit like that. Are we going to start outlawing hammers and, and drills uh, because people start doing that? Or, you know, if they start driving their cars into into just random people at the mall and killing people, are we going to start out, you know, outlawing cars? It's, it's like it, the root of the problem, the root of the issue is the mental state of the individuals that are fucking crazy and fucked up enough to, to, you know, engage in those types of actions. And we have to put, I think, kind of like a safe, like safeties, um, 
kind of fitting term, uh, safeties on if we can't get to those people to make it more difficult for them to to obtain, you know, weapons and things that that they can use to to harm other people and themselves. But keeping in mind that that's just like a bandaid on the problem. It's not attacking the root cause of the issue. It's like hacking away at the branches of the issue. Um, and that's not not a healthy way to deal with deal with that type of situation. Which is more of a reason why you need specific to specific areas, laws and rules and regulations and stuff like that, as opposed to just like a blanket. Okay, you know, no more than ten bullets per gun for all fifty states. It's like, all right, dick, that doesn't work fucking everywhere. Um, all right, that's it. That's what I gotta say about guns. Now, next point is about financial institutions and big banks being too big to fail and the whole crisis that we had um back in 2007 2008 with the the great recession and close to go going into another depression and the tarp programs and bailing out the banks and shit like that and um for those of you that don't know i wrote a short story which kind of went into the issue it's called uh, lecture hall if you guys want to check it out at uh, spuntoday.com forward slash short stories um again it's called lecture hall and it goes into the how these big banks fueled, stood by, and created an environment where which bred predatory lending and gave incentives to smaller banks and mortgage brokers to um, create environments where predatory lending was not only possible but encouraged and eventually led to this chain reaction that was the catalyst to the uh collapse of the financial system and the great recession and close to the depression that we went through in 2007 and 2008 so check that out if you want to and you know just fucking google the great recession 2007 2008 and you read all about it something interesting that uh, Clinton said, which she she did dope in the debate, by the way. Um, I like Bernie Sanders, what he, what he stands for, and kind of like a like a breath of fresh air, like type of guy. But he's not going to be a win winnable candidate, in my opinion. Um, but it's like fuck, if he could be, it would be would be awesome. It would be, I think, a, a very good thing for the country, and but not realistic at this point. And uh, Clinton did did actually very very well, and I think that she has the the what's the word I'm looking for. She has not the ability, but I guess you could say the ability. But it's not the word that I'm looking for. She has the I guess savvy and kind of like know how like. I don't know. You know, being Secretary of State, being a senator, being fucking married to to a president, like she kind of has like she knows a way around. Like I feel, you know what I mean, and she knows how to play the game, the political game. Um, and in that sense, I feel that she's like the the most winnable candidate, and that could do the most if she actually does the most, even though she's in bed with all these fucking big banks anyway. Um. 
she says she said something to the effect of uh, that under her she's gonna be uh, tougher on these um, too big to fail banks and that under her uh, financial plan there'll be more fines and executives would actually go to jail for like all these fraudulent um, practices that they did back in 2007-2008 which by the way not one um, big time executive went to got locked up went to jail behind any of that shit and I just want to point out like more fines I was like what are you fucking serious you gonna like fine them more like it's like the fines that these big banks get hit with are like a drop in the bucket to them it's literally a cost of doing business it's like all right we can take in x amount of dollars worth of fines because we're making x amount of dollars worth of profit and just to give you guys fucking specific just to give you guys a little bit of context in let me see what do i have here okay in 2014, and I'm just going to take one of these big banks, and by big banks, I mean like the JP Morgan, um, Bank of Americas, and uh, uh, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo, and like all these like big major players, like names that, that you guys would recognize. In just in 2014, the gross income, this is, you know, before paying all this shit, um, the gross, uh, I'm sorry, sales revenue for JP Morgan Chase was 97.9 billion dollars with a b 97.9 billion that's in sales revenue right now their net income like after paying all their employees after paying all their shit after you know fucking picture JP Morgan as one person and they you know they get their their weekly check or their you know yearly fucking check let's say and, you know, Uncle Sam takes all his taxes and they pay all their bills and stuff like that. They were left with $21.8 billion. $21.8 billion is their net income. After all fucking expenses, all bullshit, all whatever. $21.8 billion with a B dollars. All right, this is just in 2014 alone, okay? So they made close to $100 billion. They're left with a little bit over $20 billion. Now, the fines, the biggest fines, like Hillary Clinton said, oh, under my plan, these banks will have to pay more fines. Suck a dick. Go suck fucking Bill Clinton's dick so he doesn't have to get his dick sucked from fucking Monica Lewinsky. The biggest fines ever in the history of this fucking, all this shit. And I'm going to put links to to all this in, in the episode notes, by the way, for any of you. Any of you guys that want to look it up, and I'm not pulling numbers out of my ass or fucking from theonion.com. This is from the the fines is from the Wall Street Journal reports and the uh, what's called the numbers from uh, the monies that J.P. Morgan made are from their uh, financial records that they have to you know it's public information. SEC regulations mandates them to have to you know share this information with their shareholders and the public so it's all legit shit um so going back um kind of a little bit all over the place got a little uh, riled up there so jp morgan makes 100 billion dollars they're in gross 
in sales revenue, and they're left with a little over $20 billion, the biggest fine ever that any of these fucking banks paid. And listen to this. Collectively, between, it was a joint settlement, the biggest one ever, ever, okay? This is an article published in June of 2014 by the Wall Street Journal. It was a collective settlement paid by Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, Citi, Bank of America, and Ally Financial. That's five of these big, too big to fail banks collectively joined together, paid a fine of $25 billion. That's about $5 billion each if it broke down like evenly, which I'm sure it didn't because, you know, they're all like on different levels or whatever. But that's $5 billion each. So you're telling me I make $100 billion, you charge me $5 billion, and I'm not going to fucking take those fines like fucking appetizers? And were you going to find them more? Were you going to find them $10 billion? Ooh, you fucking... Please. It's fucking disgusting. So that was just straight bullshit. That was, like, frustrating to hear and listen to. Um, if true, the, the part of people actually, like, getting locked up and going to jail, even though I'm sure it'll be, like, fucking country club, fucking club med, fucking jails. Um, at least it would be better than them not doing anything. Uh, what else? Education. Um, I like something Clinton said about, um, the opportunity to, for all students to refinance current, uh, existing student loans. I have a shitload of them. I would, would like that opportunity, um, to very low interest rates. And she also supports such as, um, Bernie Sanders does, and he's been a huge proponent of this. Uh, he supports, and she also supports free public college. Um, and uh, where Bernie supports it just outright, you know, public, uh, like, uh, you know, colleges for all, um, tuition free. Um, she mandates that, or she says that students would have to work though, at least 10 hours a week in order to, to, you know, you know, qualify for going, you know, attending these public colleges, which I couldn't agree with more. I've been working and going to school since I was like 15 is my first job um, as a busboy and and I'm all for fucking working and you know working hard and going to school and you know I would encourage that for, for my own children and and uh, any of you lazy fucks that are listening to this that don't do the same uh, so I'm definitely for that uh, let's see uh, next point that's education uh, next thing I have here is uh, social security so there is Clinton wants to enhance, quote unquote, that's what she calls it, Social Security by privatizing it, which means handing over like picture like your 401k, how it's managed by like all these like big banks and like stuff like that. And um, how they invested for you. And um, that's pretty much what she wants to do with the fund of Social Security and by privatizing it and giving it to her like Wall Street friends, which is why I say that she's like in bed with the whole Wall Street fucking community. And they're known for being very big donors to to the Clintons and shit like that. So that's like not it's like common knowledge basically. Um and let me see. That's what she wants to do, which I don't know, it's kinda like a double edged sword, that thing. 
they are the people that know how to make money. If that does have some some like safeguards in terms of making sure um, that there's fucking more money in the fund, then but with again with safeguards, they're not just allowed to like gamble away that money like they did back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and play with other people's money. Then that's different. But if not, then then fuck that. Not a good idea. Um, Bernie Sanders says, let me see what I have here. Seniors get 11 to 12K per year. He says that seniors get 11 to $12,000 per year on Social Security, um, which is true. I can attest to that. And um, and he, he said in the debate, which I have no idea how they live off of that, which, again, is something that I agree with. And eleven to ten to twelve thousand dollars a year, and a lot get less than that because from that, then they have to deduct their Medicare um, comes out of that, and and their prescription drugs and stuff like that, and it's insane. Um, he says that in order to make sure that um, Social Security is solvent for years to come, meaning that you know we'll fucking have it and it'll be there, that you have to lift the cap that's currently on social security so that the billionaires and millionaires aren't paying the same as someone who makes $118,000. Cause the way it works is you pay into social security. If you guys notice like in your paychecks and stuff like that, you have money that goes to like Medicare and social security and stuff like that. You pay in an amount up to uh, your income. Once your income gets to 118,000, dollars per year that's it it makes no difference if you make one hundred eighteen thousand dollars per year or 10 billion dollars per year the person that's making 10 billion is paying the exact same amount as the person paying one hundred eighteen thousand per year into the pool of monies that is social security and then from that that's what's divided amongst all the seniors that qualify for social security and uh, that wind up getting 11 to twelve thousand dollars per year so bernie Sanders is saying, which to me sounds very logical, that you lift that cap and instead of a billionaire um, paying the same as someone making $118,000 a year, you know, somebody that's paying $250,000 a year or $400,000 a year, they're paying also a little bit more into that social security fund. And there's the argument of you know, a billionaire has their own private, like, healthcare. Why should, should they pay into Social Security and stuff like that? But I don't... Those are dangerous arguments to have, man. It's like... I don't think it's socialism when it's something that's for the greater good for all of us, for the majority of, you know, seniors. And it's like, you know, I fucking drive a boat and fly around all the time you know i don't use the fucking i don't drive so why should i pay my local taxes for the the streets and pave roads and stuff like that it's like really like come on it's in the best interest of everyone to have like that infrastructure and that type of stuff and it's like i have the same sort of feelings towards towards paying into a system that's for the betterment of not only for myself, for my future or my parents' futures and grandparents and stuff like that, but everybody else's, you know, my fucking 
next door neighbors and you know the families in fucking georgia and and you know just fucking everyone you know like people that actually need it like if you can like why not like lift them up and lastly on the uh democratic debate i like there's uh this guy running which i didn't know until i saw this uh debate um is governor uh the governor of maryland which is uh governor o'malley he has like he has a good demeanor about him um he's very thoughtful with his answers and stern um but he's a touch too hesitant at times i noticed which um like didn't bode well um but aside from that like he made some very um interesting and good points and um just like his uh, what was most captivating about him was like his very thoughtful demeanor the way he answered questions and stuff like that uh if you guys want to watch these debates i put links again in the episode notes for both the democratic and the republican debate um and again i put uh, jp morgan chase's fourth quarter financial reports for 2014 directly from their site there's a link for that in the episode notes as well as the wall street journal article that details not just the biggest find that i mentioned which was the drop in a bucket 25 billion between five different big banks i put that uh, link in the article but it goes down uh the list of the big the top i don't know 10 finds ever for all these institutions and that covers the democratic and republican national debate now within that realm of like taxation and like stuff like that i have three more things to speak about in this intro by the way in this fucking super long intro and whatever i don't even know what the fuck i call it an intro anymore it's fucking just part of the show um within that realm of like taxation and 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 stuff like that i had a conversation with my uh physical therapy doctor guy uh like i told you guys i've had like fucked up knees and i go to physical therapy and it's a um i'm getting benefits from it and i enjoy going um but whatever i, I, I was uh, shooting the shit with uh with my doctor there um and the young turks posted a new video um and he was speaking to because uh, the way it works is like they set you up like on a machine or doing an exercise and stuff like that then they go see another patient and it's like an open place and you know um and it's pretty cool they like jump from person to person and there's uh two to three different doctors there at a time and you work with one of them then work with another one and it's pretty cool and they're all like cool and like young doctors and and um it's pretty dope anyway um my main doctor i was speaking to him and he he comes he comes over to me just like with a like a look of awe on his face and he was like he was just having a conversation with this other dude that's a, a harvard lawyer um or a lawyer from harvard or some shit like that and they were having the debate of of like taxation how and i guess like being socially my doctor told him that he's fiscally conservative he himself like the doctor fiscally conservative but socially liberal like he's for gay marriage and and um you know abortion you know pro pro fucking abortion or whatever you would call it and um but fiscally conservative like with his money and i'm exactly the same way like i feel exactly the same way which is why i'm more like in line with 
the um like the democratic party on most things even like i'm because i feel like they actually do a little bit more i think i think they, they wind up boiling down to being the same shit and it's not a real democracy it's uh uh like a plutocracy and it's it's fucking owned and operated by the financial interests that are that are poured into the pockets of all these politicians which wind up being puppets for whoever it is that's putting money in their pockets so generally speaking it boils down to being the same shit you just have a little bit of a tilt to the left or a little bit of tilt to to the right in terms of i think mainly social issues which is we're more in line with democrats which are you know more um you know pro-choice and and into you know gay marriage and letting people do whatever the fuck it is that they want to do with certain things like that and um and what was my point all right so i feel the same way but fiscally um more conservative like when it comes to like my money and shit and the harvard lawyer dude was saying that you can't be both and then so my doctor comes to me he's like in awe he was like you can't he was like i just had this conversation uh with this harvard lawyer dude and he like explains me in a way that i never thought of it before and now i get it that you can't really be according to the to the, this lawyer harvard lawyer guy you can't be both fiscally conservative and socially liberal they're there it goes hand in hand like if you're conservative you're conservative on both if you're liberal you're liberal on both and that's how it has to be because it can't be it doesn't work the other way around and i don't want to pretend that i fucking i don't know i don't want to i don't want to come with this i don't know how to say like with this like kumbaya you know type of fucking grandiose idea but like his main point was you have to be both fiscally and socially conservative because if you're socially conservative if you're fiscally conservative what was his point he said you can't if you tax less no if you okay you have to tax more to have all these um socially liberal type of programs and and stuff like that you have to have no what was it fuck i'm fucking it up you okay if you allow abortions and stuff like that and that type of you lean towards that social uh liberal mentality you end up having less people and if you have less people then you have less people to tax and if you have less less people to tax then you have less less um monies for all these social programs and and stuff like that um which is why you have to either be both socially and fiscally liberal um or both fiscally and socially conservative you can't have your cake and eat it too basically is what you're trying to say and my my thing to that was like one if you have less people to, to tax and that's the reason why you it's like not a good idea or whatever the fuck is then it's like if you have less people to tax so there's less money to go around so so there's less money for these social programs 
isn't it also like you have less people to have to spend the money on for those programs so it doesn't matter that there's you know less money to go around there's also less people to like waste it on kind of thing that was like one thing that i was thinking and the second thing i was thinking was like i think with these like big issues like that these like issues that are like entrenched in our like the fabric of our society we tend to start off from this no we can't do it that way because it's never been done that way and we shouldn't and like unless i'm completely missing something which is very very possible of the intricacies of of economics and how it just doesn't you know they're they're mutually exclusive and it, they don't you know you can't be both fiscally conservative and socially liberal it's like why the fuck not you know why can't you and if the answer is just that that you know it doesn't work out that way because we haven't done it that way then it's like i'm sorry fucking try it that way because the way that we're doing it doesn't fucking work really well either you know what i mean so fucking give it a fucking whirl i'm sorry i don't agree with that shit i am fiscally conservative and socially liberal and let's put our domes together and figure out a way to make that work the way it should I don't know. I just thought that conversation was interesting. It went a lot more interesting when it happened. I promise. <laughs> um, and let's see. Two more things. That's it. Before I read for you guys my free writing piece, which is actually is like a world peace type of fucking uh, kumbaya type of post. Like I told you guys a little bit earlier, which kind of goes in line with my thinking of why the fuck not? Why can't we do it that way? Um, Mr. Harvard lawyer guy. Um, two more things that I want to mention one of which is the Amy Schumer HBO special Amy Schumer is such a funny funny fucking person and really really enjoyed that special it was hilarious if you guys haven't seen it it's on HBO you can watch it on demand Um, and she's just super funny I really her sensibilities and her style of comedy i'm like really into and and she's just, just fucking hilarious and y- you guys know i like the movie train wreck i mentioned that before in a in a past episode and i told you guys a little bit about it um she's on the roll she's doing really awesome and you guys should definitely check it out i wanted to mention <clears throat> one thing about uh, Amy Schumer, which recently has become like a, uh, it's been in the news or whatever, or within that world, that she supposedly stole, um, or not supposedly stole, but it's been, there's an article that came out in Uproxy, uh, Uprox, um, and I'm sure a bunch of other places, but the, the one that I read was in Uprox, and it's in, I put a link to the actual article so you guys can see it for yourselves in the episode notes as well, uh, which also includes like a video. And it's referencing Amy Schumer um, doing a couple of the same jokes as Patrice, the late, great Patrice O'Neill. And um, it's, I don't think, and I'll go on record for what it's worth for my half a dozen listeners, that Amy Schumer is she's way too talented and too ill at what she does to be a joke thief 
uh, to be a fucking uh, Carlos Men- Mencia. And I, like, I don't see it. I really don't think that she did. Um, nobody knows except for her. And nobody's going to. Um, but if you guys take a look at these, uh, at that article and read the the two jokes, which are the two jokes that she ended, ended her special with, um, it's literally almost identical to, to a joke that Patrice O'Neill did. So, at, you know, on its face, it, it seems it, it doesn't look good. But then you find out that they used to host a show together. They used to work together. Patrice O'Neill, she's like within that same circle of friends of, of Amy Schumer, um, Jim Norton, Joe Rogan, um, all these dudes, um, David Tell, like within that group, like that pocket of comics and comics, ha- you know, it's a, a premise that I'm sure has been done many times over by a lot of different comics. They work together, they chill together, you know, they, they say maybe they wrote it together, the jokes, um, um, which I don't think it's that either, but it's, uh, like the premise is based on like sex, um, you know, like Dirty Sanchez, like the sex fucking, um, what do you call them, like moves or tricks or whatever the fuck, and comics have this, like a unique, unique to themselves, but unique to to them as a whole also uh, if that makes sense like way of thinking and i feel that uh, i think it's parallel thinking personally if i had to guess like if i had to bet on it i would say that it was definitely parallel thinking mixed in with um just being around each other and you know exposed to joking around within you know they vibe together well they hosted a show together uh back in the day they they were friends and um, you know, when you chill with people, you wind up kind of like not acting and talking like them, but you know, you, you, you bleed into each other, you influence each other. Um, and I think it's all that intertwined with just having the same, uh, train of thoughts and, and mentality, <clears throat> mentality. And that's how I feel that, the. Uh, that she would have came up with it for whatever the fuck my opinion's worth. And, but you guys see for yourself. Let me know what you guys think. Um, again, the article was on Uprox, U-P-R-O-X-X, and it's referencing Amy Schumer and Patrice O'Neill. And again, they do a good job of putting the clip of uh, Patrice O'Neill doing it back in 2005 and then Amy Schumer doing it now in 2015 in her latest special on HBO, which again was fucking hilarious. And, uh, Amy Schumer, you have an open invitation to come to the sponsored podcast whenever you'd like and speak about your, your passion and your craft of writing jokes that make everybody laugh like crazy. And lastly, the last thing that I want to speak about and mention is on my quest for the perfect cup of coffee, I have found a very good, very dope coffee, which is the Pumpkin Spice Trader Joe's Coffee. This coffee is brought to you in part by Slim Shit. No, I'm joking. This coffee is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be like a seasonal, you know, it's fucking Halloween time, so everything's going to be pumpkin now. Um, 
So I'm pretty sure it's just going to be a seasonal thing, which is good because, like, this isn't the type of, like, flavor coffee that I would... If I had to drink this every day for, for a year, I would fucking puke and kill myself. Um, but right now it tastes fucking amazing. Cause it's a nice, different flavor. Um, and it is pumpkin spice with orange peel, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, ground vanilla, and pumpkin spice. And it's a medium roast Arabica ground coffee and it's fucking delicious i really really like it i enjoyed it a lot i recommend it get it while you can and uh enjoy it enjoy it everyone and that is it god damn that has to be the longest intro in fucking history an hour and a half and now let's get to the free writing portion of this podcast which is going to wind up being a lot shorter than the rest of this podcast (laughs) this is a post that you guys can read along with if you'd like and if you don't want to read along with it you can listen to it and if you like it go read it later it's located at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and there's a bunch of other posts on there uh that i've covered in uh subsequent uh older uh free writing episodes of this podcast and uh some that i haven't um but they're all there sponsor.com forward slash free writing and if you want something more structured um you can check out the short stories that i've written at sponsor.com forward slash short stories but right now this is a free writing post i posted it let me see when i wrote it i wrote it back in july on july 5th 2013 at 7.13 p.m. And I remember the exact, exactly where I was and what I was doing when I wrote this. And I'll tell you guys right before I start reading it. But just so you guys can find it, um, it's the post on, I posted it on the, on the website. So it's the date uh, right on top of the post. On October 12th, 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 uh, 2015. Now, In Queens, there's something called, um, what the fuck is it called? The World's Fair, um, which I'm not exactly sure what it is, but there's like a huge glow. It's by where Shea Stadium used to be, where City Field is now. It's in uh, Flushing Meadow Park. There's like this huge globe of the world, you know, a globe. (laughs) And there's these like restaurants. Oh, you guys ever saw Men in Black? You know where where the men in black i think part one where that big cockroach dude like runs away in in a cab and goes to queens and he goes into these yellow saucer looking things in the sky and he's like climbing it up and they turn into like spaceships those two yellow things that's real and that's actually in queens and flesh metal park and it's called the world's fair right next to it is like this big huge globe made of steel and um and it's in a park and i wrote this while i was uh having a picnic there with my girl back in 2013 in july and we went there and we're chilling there and i was reading the plaque on this like big globe thing and it says part of the quote of it uh says man's aspirations towards peace through mutual understanding 
World Fair, April 22nd, 1964. That's like the engraving that was on it. So I'll say that quote again. Man's aspirations toward peace through mutual understanding. And that got me to thinking a little bit and gave me a, you know, miscongeniality world peace type of idea that I wanted to free write about. And I did as follows. What a concept. What keeps it from coming to fruition? Vices like greed and ego and any other combination of seemingly rational thought irrationally acting in favor of self-preservation and self-preservation alone. How difficult would a utopian society be with a mantra of mutual understanding? Impossible, right? It could never happen. We can't all get along. That's too far-fetched. Too grandiose an idea. But why? Why not have a difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week, mindset quote unquote to quote jay-z um why not take a grandiose stance and approach to match a grandiose problem like a cancer our differences and lack of mutual understanding are keeping us from our mutual goal of peace and prosperity and we're letting it sitting back finding newer and more creative ways to enhance our differences instead of implementing those innovations of telling differences to enhance positivity and growth. We're all guilty of it, myself included, but really don't have to be. Wanting the best for ourselves, our families, and our friends shouldn't be treated as some scarce natural resource. It should be as plentiful and as giving as infinity. An endless supply and amount to go around given so much so that it never has to be taken from every landmass and body of water to every blade of grass and grain of sand peace through mutual understanding and i wrote that on friday july 5th 2013 at 7 13 p.m and yeah like i said it's a very with motherfuckers like Putin in the world and fucking the empire of the U.S., <laughs> this it's a it's a very grandiose and far-fetched and and impossible idea. But it doesn't hurt to strive for it, does it? It doesn't. I don't think it does. It doesn't hurt, even like we start it like at a very minute level of like self and doing it with yourself and your family and your friends and and kind of sort of like spreading that type of positive vibe and and an idea of mutual understanding to just enhance the relationships around you you know and hopefully that ripple effect ripples throughout the the rest of the fucking world eventually and gets us to where we would ideally all want to be like who wouldn't want that who wouldn't want fucking peace through mutual understanding like what irrational fuck wouldn't want that and anybody who really doesn't want that fucking chop his head off or her head off and get rid of him cut off the cancer (laughs) 
it's fucking thin out the herd. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, pretty much it. I like a couple lines in here, actually, not to pat myself on the back, but I like the way it sounded when I read it. Um, like a cancer, our differences and lack of mutual understanding are keeping us from our mutual goal of peace and prosperity, and we're letting it. I like that. Um, and what else? There was one more that kind of stood out to me. And oh yeah, that like last piece of wanting the best for ourselves and our families and our friends it shouldn't be treated as some scarce natural resource. It should be as plentiful and as giving as infinity an endless supply and amount to go around given so much so that it never has to be taken from every land mass and body of water to every blade of grass and grain of sand it's kind of like that uh like buoy in the water mentality of lifting up all the buoys and everything around you and that's the way it should be and that's the way it should fucking be and that's pretty much it, folks. That's that's the piece that I wanted to read to you guys today. Let me know what you guys think. Again, check it out at sponsor.com forward slash free writing. And um, that's it. That's the episode for today. So let's just wrap up with a couple of... Uh, with some uh, housework, some cleanup. And... Like I said, check out the website, spuntoday.com. There's a free writing section on there. There's a photography section on there. You can listen to all these podcasts on there. You guys can read some short stories on there. There's a dope O2 podcast section where I transcribed a bunch of cool moments from different podcasts that I listened to and I put them on there for you guys along with links to those specific podcasts. You guys can go check them out. And it's stuff like Good Times with Steve Simone, uh, The Church of What's Happening Now, uh, the Drunken Taoist Podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, and um, a bunch of my favorites are on there. And that's the Ode to Podcasts section um, at the sponsor.com website. Um, I also have a questionnaire that I encourage any and all of you to fill out if you'd like. Um, it's a questionnaire featuring five questions, and you... Um, you know, fill them out. It's a, you know, it's not like a, like a drop down type of thing. It's kind of like a, a free text field for each question. And it's related to like a hobby or a passion that you have, something that you're creative with and, and um, that you enjoy doing. And uh, it allows you to share tips and tricks of how you, you know, get through like mental blocks and writer's block and just like mental uh, resistance and barriers that you may come across and how you get past that so that you can share with me and the rest of the Spuntoday podcast community. Uh, feel free to, to fill that out at uh, spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. I read your responses on uh, future episodes of the Spuntoday uh, podcast uh, free writing sessions like this one. And you have the option of remaining anonymous if you would like to. Um, but yeah, I encourage you guys to, to fill it out if you guys want to. Also, there are if, uh, a couple of ways where you that you can support the podcast. The main one being rating and reviewing 
the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, doesn't cost you anything, obviously. Just go on there, rate and review the podcast. Let me know what you guys think via that. It helps the podcast gain exposure and um, it helps other people, you know, pick up on it. The more you review it, the more popular the podcast gets and so forth. And it would be a big help. Um, what else? You can support the podcast financially if you'd like. Uh, there's a bunch of photos on my website, which you can download for free. They're also on Instagram, um, under the photography section on my website. But all of those photos, if you happen to like them so much that you want like some sort of frame or poster or something like that, you can go to a website that I'm affiliated with, which is created.com, uh, C-R-A-T-E-D.com forward slash spun today. All of those same uh, photographs um, that I've taken uh, are available on that website. And that website gives you the option of purchasing actual prints. And, you know, you can turn them into frames, uh, posters of all different sizes and stuff like that if you would choose to. That would be a way to support the podcast. Also, on my website, there is something, there's a page called the Affiliate Links. If you click on that, it takes you to a page that has... A PayPal donation button if you want to make a donation. Um, it has the Amazon banners, which are very popular within the podcast community, as well as banners for iTunes, um, for iTunes movies, um, music, and uh, free books. Actually, if you want some free books from, from iTunes, just go on uh, spuntoday.com for slash affiliate links and click on the free books. And there's like free ebooks and shit that you could download there. Um, and like I said, the Amazon banner, the way it works, if you guys go on my website, click on the Amazon banner, it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. And it doesn't cost you anything extra, but Amazon gives me a kickback, um, just for driving traffic towards their website, just because you visited my website before visiting theirs and you bought something, Amazon gives me a kickback. And again, it does not cost you anything extra and it's a way that you can support the podcast and I would appreciate it. Uh, what else? That is photos of the links, right? Review, listen to the podcast. Mm. There's a, you, you know, you guys can listen to the podcast, obviously on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can listen to it on YouTube. There's a YouTube page, um, which you can reach through the, the links on my website as well. There's a Tumblr page. And if that's what you guys are into, you can listen to it through there. Now you can also listen to it via pocket casts, which is a different pod cast catcher. Uh, podcast catchers like iTunes, Stitcher, what they do is, you know, catch the RSS feeds of different podcasts and then play them for you. Pocket Casts is a different service like that, um, which, if I'm not mistaken, is big within like Windows phones and stuff like that. You know, iTunes um, is for Apple phones, Stitcher is for um, like Androids and other phones and um, Windows phones and and others have something called Pocket Casts. Uh, which you can now use to download and listen to these Spun Today podcasts. I'm sure you could download Pocket Cast with, you know, with an iPhone or Android and like stuff like that too. Um, but I think they're most popular within like that Windows Phone community. Uh, those weirdos. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Spun Today. Hit me up on there if you would like. Uh, you can check out the uh, Facebook the Spun Today Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. I have pictures there of not just like all the photography and shit like that that I put on, on the website, but uh, different, you know, 
pictures of shit that I've spoken about like throughout the episode uh, or past episodes or stuff like that and more just like you know out and about type pictures you know not actual like photography um taken with the camera it's like shit that I shoot with my cell phone <clears throat> and you can check that out and what else subscribe to my youtube page like i said subscribe to my newsletter my newsletter is located at spuntsay.com forward slash contact at the bottom of the page or also on the facebook page it's located there as well and all that is is i'll shoot you guys an email whenever this new podcast episode or whenever there's a new short story that's posted to the website and i'm not gonna be going to bombard you with bullshit so check it out if you want and that is pretty much it, folks. That is the episode. Episode number 32 is in the books of the Spun Today podcast free writing session. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.